0: The following is a special series of the Darden Ideas to Action podcast, focusing on the power of disruptive innovations.
1: The Disruption, a lively discussion between UVA Darden School of Business professors Yael Grushka cocaine and Mike Lennox on cutting edge technologies and practices that are challenging the status quo.
2: All right. Good day. Great to see you, Yael.
1: Hey, Mike. How are you?
2: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm, I'm very excited about today's topic. But before we jump into that, I just wanted to do kind of an update on our series here. Um, we released our podcast on cryptocurrency the same week that cryptocurrencies basically collapsed. And... You know, I, I think there's a causation here. And yes. I just want to thank yes. our, our millions of listeners out there uh, for listening to our advice on cryptocurrencies and uh, and heeding our advice. So Bring it's it just down. it's just great to see, you know, cause and effect here, release of our podcast, the collapse of the crypto market.
1: That's wonderful, Mike. Careful what you wish for. We might be bringing upon ourselves millions of dollars in lawsuits because okay. we are the cause for people I, I, losing I were, a lot as the, of money. As a data scientist, I thought you were
2: going to point out, like, you know, correlation does not cause causation. <laughs> so I was, you know, I was expecting to get that. Well, Well, maybe I
1: should point out that the data point of one doesn't really say anything. So, you know.
2: No, of course, of course. Now that you've raised liability, now just forget what I just said about the uh, the causality there. All right. So, exciting topic today. So, yeah, what are we going to talk about?
1: Well, uh, it's funny because we can't really nail down the the title of today's session. We are are so overwhelmed by the uh, artistic juices that are flowing in this field. Uh, We are talking about uh, what you like to call artistic AI or. Art generated by AI or AI-powered art, um, algorithmic uh, art, um, creative AI. There are many, many different names to this field. Basically, the topic that I wanted to bring forward as a disruption that is occurring in the world around us is everything to do with the arts that is generated by a machine and based on some data. So uh, we see this infusion in the world of fine arts with paintings being generated in the styles of uh, painters that have been long uh, gone. Uh, We see this um, in the music industry, and we're going to hear a lot about that here today with our expert. Um, uh, Everything to do with AI composed music to AI, uh, generated uh, new songs and new beats and new rhythms. Um, But we can also see this in terms of AI-generated poems and literature and books and texts. It is everywhere um, and it is a force to reckon with. So I'm I'm excited to talk about it.
2: I am really interested to hear about the machine part, but before we do that, just the level set, are you artistic personally? Do you play an instrument? do you sing? Uh, you know what, what do you do?
1: I ha- am a hundred percent not artistic um, I uh, when I was younger I really liked to draw. I don't think I was ever that good at it, but I did like it and interestingly, if you look at all of my like creations when I was young that some of them my mom kept and framed I don't know why but she's my mom um they are very uh structured and geometric in nature so you would yeah. think that maybe a machine could have generated the think types of things that I was doing as a youngster I am not my son is very talented he has a very good music uh capability he's a drummer so
2: yeah. you probably didn't know this about me but I actually played saxophone oh. all the way through high school maybe but, I
1: didn't know that uh, yeah.
2: yeah but I think your point about being very mechanical I think that's probably the way I played the saxophone <laughs> we're engineers yeah, you know? like, yeah I'm an engineer yeah. at heart and uh, yeah, whenever we did uh you know uh, free form on jazz like I was at a loss there so um were you be- in it- the marching band uh, I was. I was really cool in high school. Yeah. We, we could dig up some pictures. And really embarrassed myself. I'm a f- uh, big
1: fan of the marching band. My son's OK, in the there, band. there you go.
2: There you go. Um, All right, so let's talk about the AI part of this. And yes. maybe just a level set. Yep. Can you explain to the audience who maybe isn't really up to date on AI, like what exactly is AI?
1: Yeah, what is artificial intelligence, especially in this context, because there are many different definitions. Uh, when we talk about AI generated, let's talk about fine arts, for instance. Um, if we take a bunch of paintings, let's say Rembrandt, paintings, Uh, the machine can study them, it can pull together features, it can learn from historical training set. We call that a training set. So the machine can learn and use it to come up with a recipe, kind of patterns that it spots in order to create something new, okay, in order to create a new prediction. So when we talk about artificial intelligence, we're talking about some kind of capability to learn, extract patterns, and then identify those patterns to make predictions about something new into the future.
2: And I would observe that some of the techniques that are being used today have really been around for you know, decades. Um, As as an engineering student in the 90s, I was learning things like neural networks, basically mimicking the synapses in the brain to generate uh, an artificial intelligence. I always like to say what's what's changed over the last 30, 40 years is one, processing power. So the processing power we have today far outstrips what we had even in the uh, early 90s. And then the second, is the data. There's just so much more data available uh, than there was in the past. And, And my understanding in some of these creative arts, they're leveraging the fact that online, you can find, in essence, an infinite catalog of either pictures or artwork or uh, or music.
1: So, not, so the data, in some ways, perhaps was out there always, but it's now being digitalized and digitized in a way that is accessible to more people. So it's about the storage has improved. We can find places to put that data. We can share it more readily. And going back to the computing power that you talked about, we can process it and manipulate it in ways that those algorithms that have been around for a long time, as you say, can be utilized at much faster speed, faster pace, and at more accuracy, at a better accuracy rate. So they can produce a great output, um, much better in terms of their predictions because they have more data to build on and they can do it faster and bigger.
2: And I'm glad you mentioned predictions here because I think what makes this topic in particular so fascinating is the creative part. So as many of you probably know, artificial intelligence has exploded over the last decade plus. Uh, A lot of the solutions that they're providing are in this predictive mindset, Uh, predicting um, different events, maybe predicting uh, how a machine will work and the like. Um, But what's fascinating about this topic is I think a lot of people maybe generally think, wait, this is where AI shouldn't be able to do it, right? They shouldn't be able to write original music. They shouldn't be able to generate an original painting. So how is this
0: possible?
1: It is so fascinating because I was going to bring it up in the context of when we analyze and we think about this as a disruption and we think about Um, the threat that machine learning and technology and AI has always imposed, people typically think about the more mundane, automatic, routine type of operations that are rhythmic and repeated, that that's where the displacement would happen, that that's where people would lose their jobs. And here, indeed, we're talking today about this field, and we're going to talk about a lot of creative people, artists and writers and composers and musicians. How is it that we're standing, uh, uh, or we might be viewing a technology that could uh, leave these individuals without a job. Well, what's so interesting here, and going back to this idea of artificial intelligence and the boom that we're seeing right now, is that one of the capabilities that comes with this added access to data, large volumes of data, and fast processing capability, is the sophistication to pick up patterns that are really hard for individuals just to, to identify so we cannot identify if I just looked at the data in some if I could even look at the data which I can't because of its size but if I could I wouldn't be able to detect with my eye some pattern and therefore the machine has an advantage because it can process all of this information and it can detect patterns and so in the context of these creative fields it's picking up on patterns and finding the recipe to create wonderful things that otherwise we wouldn't have been able to detect.
2: You know, the, the one that comes to mind that I've seen recently is the OpenAI project. If you're not aware, OpenAI was uh, started by Elon Musk and others uh, to create, uh, in essence, an open platform for AI technology, uh, feeling like it's so powerful, it should really be shared with the world. And one of the uh, latest and greatest uh, AIs they've come out with is one called Dolly 2. Um, and so this one is a visual artist. And it has gotten to the point where you can type in verbal commands, and it will draw the the object for you. So you can, you know, do whimsical stuff like, you know, give me an otter on a bike, and it will draw you an otter on the bike. My
1: favorite one that I saw was Yayoi Kusama Pizza. Yayoi Kusama is an amazing artist from Japan who I adore, and I've chased around the world watching her art and looking at her exhibits. And now they're creating pizza images in her style.
2: Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, because I think that's also a fascinating piece here is that the AI is able to. Train and understand different artistic styles, so you can say, "Give me a Rembrandt," "Give me a you know impressionist, French impressionist uh, type, or an anime type of drawing," and it is able to do that. It's just mind blowing what these you know systems are able to do.
1: It goes back to the pattern detection. So a lot of this is about pattern detection, and I'll try to link this a little bit to the prediction component that we talked about earlier. What we're trying to ask is like, what is the chance that the pattern exists, or which pattern is the highest probability that it would represent this artist or will be in this style? And if you can rank those patterns and you can identify them, you can replicate them in the future. And so that's how these machine learning algorithms work. This is how the artificial intelligence is created. And it might be different and a little bit nuanced than different industries. So if we think about music, it might be different than in the fine arts versus in poetry or in literature, but it has its applicability in each.
2: Now, you know, the classic test for AI has been when you are engaging with an AI and you don't know it. Like you're on a call with a call center and it's an AI and you think you're talking to a real human. Or
1: vice versa. Sometimes or I r- think I'm talking to a robot and it's a real person. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true.
2: Um, what's your sense? Like are, are these drawings or these music that are being, or, or articles that are being written, um, do they pass that test in your opinion? Can you tell that it's an AI or are you like, oh, I, I just assumed it wasn't?
1: Some some are better than others. So some fields are more advanced than others. I think the music industry is more advanced, and we'll hear from from an expert in the field exactly how and where it's being adopted in large scale. To large scale, um, some of the platforms and the machines that you have described, like the Dolly Two and, and you know Google's equivalent, um, they're still a little bit clunky, and some of these images that are being created are clearly not quite up to speed in terms of us believing that it's a real deep fake. Uh, creation, Um, but it's a matter of not that much time until it will get there.
2: It's certainly Ooh. better than I am, so I, I, mean, I know it <laughs> far outstrips my artistic ability. Well, maybe that's
1: way. a matter of taste. We always have the notion that art can be interpreted in a matter of taste. No, but, no, I think there's yes. a quality
2: metric here and that it uh, <laughs> far outstrips me on. Well, um, should we but, bring our expert in?
1: Yeah, uh, Aaron Stepp, you are um, an expert. You got your PhD from uh, here, from University of Virginia, and you do a lot on software and music uh, and, and combine those two. Uh, how would you characterize uh, your, your profession? A composer, a, a, a musician? Where do you stand these days? Computer scientist? <laughs> it,
0: it, you know, I, I sit in a, at a couple of places um, because I'm classically trained. I went to a music school and conservatory for my undergraduate master's. And then I came here to UVA for a computer music program. And my dissertation was a software library that I composed music with, uh, for instruments and a voice. And the poetry was a real human writing the poetry. So I, I kind of straddle a couple fences. Oh,
1: beautiful. <laughs> and actually, you come from a family of musicians, right? Uh, not not only yourself, but uh, I believe your father had a band. Is that true?
0: But both my parents were music educators for a very long time, and then my grandmother uh, played the organ in churches for decades.
1: Um, amazing. <laughs> so we're
2: establishing again: we have no artistic ability.
0: You have a <laughs> exactly. lot of artistic Our ability here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> What would they say, uh, or what do they say? I'm sure that you have these conversations with them all the time. What is their reaction to this notion that computers can generate? Um, Uh, and compose new creations and new pieces of music
0: you you know it's really interesting because I'm going to give a little story as a framework Uh, when I was growing up we'd listen to music when we were on road trips and they'd tell me what I was hearing like technically so they'd say this is this kind of a chord or they're mixing it this way and so I was always kind of aware of this kind of uh, conversation and how we're thinking about it and so my parents um relatively open-minded people, in my opinion, um, always want to say, is it good? And I think that's that's the big question that my parents and I have when they hear my music or, or music similar to mine, um, which I do a lot of different things. And a lot of my colleagues do all sorts of of amazing things with music. Um, The question is, is is it good? And it's it's a hard question. It's a difficult question. And it's an emerging field with computers. And so we may not know what good is yet. And I think that that's usually what we end up deciding at the end of the day is this has potential.
2: (laughs) I love it. I'm curious, do you see AI as fundamentally different Than other technologies that have influenced music over the years, right? Uh, Electric guitars, reverb—you know, there's been a long history of technology being brought into the industry. Is—is this just a continuation, or is this something fundamentally different?
0: I don't know. As, as somebody who identifies on a certain level as a computer musician, um, I think of technology going all the way back to where we went from voice to an instrument. Um, so I think that there's, there's kind of a long history of technology enhancing our musical abilities and enhancing our ability to express ourselves through a very abstract art. But at the same time, um, I think AI is opening a lot of potential for uh, novel ways of looking at old problems. And I, I think that's the way I see it the most useful for, at least in my art, um, I think about I can look at this certain problem, and I can generate a phenomenal amount of material by writing an algorithm or generating something, and then I can sort it out using, say, some sort of classification algorithm, and say these have these characteristics, and then I can pick, you know, most stylistically accurate of what are potentially novel characteristics for a piece of music.
2: That's interesting because it makes me think: like, are you the composer then, or are you the producer? Are you like a producer sitting here with a bunch of different tracks, Uh, and then picking the best ones?
0: Yeah, no, it's it's challenging. Um, something that comes up a lot is that we have been producing music with uh, algorithms for a long time. And the joke that my undergraduate professor in electronic music, John Gibson said, when a computer wants to sound human, it just randomizes it. And uh, it's kind of a long-standing problem. And we're getting to the point where no longer will it be quite as random in the sense that when we're creating new art, we can say we actually are looking for a certain result. And so when I design an algorithm to say compose a piece with, I actually know what I want it to sound like like. I know the pitch characteristics I want. I know the rhythmic characteristics. And so I want to teach the computer or train the computer in a certain way to generate those materials.
1: And uh, you mentioned something really interesting. You you are personally a uh, classically trained musician. Um, as we talk about this... G- you know, next evolution in music, do you see it affecting and disrupting how musicians get trained? Like, do you think that classical training will mean something else in the next generations as we, Im- you know, embrace some of this computer-generated computer, mo- computer generated, uh, op- option?
0: Yeah, so in, in the academic field I'm associated with, there's a lot of what we call interactive art where somebody plays an instrument and the computer responds, quote-unquote, in a very loose application of that term to that sound and then generates new sounds based upon it. And um, increasingly we're finding the professionals who wanna have solo careers are embracing that technology on a certain level. Um, Not all of them. If these are people who want to engage with the development of technology, they wanna be solo artists and they would love to do a recital where they can walk in, set down their laptop and play a concert. Um, And those people are really fantastic and interesting. There will always be Hilary Hahn and Joshua Bell playing their solo pieces with orchestra and won't do electronics. And that's wonderful and beautiful. We need that too. And I think at a certain level, technology is developing in ways that we can educate people in more specific terminology. Like you played this in a certain way with a computer feedback. When I used to teach lots of lessons, um, I often would use a sonogram to help the student understand how their timbre worked. And then they could understand, okay, I have a lot of dark sounds, the lower frequencies in their sound, or a lot of high sounds. And they could learn and practice, how does that sound? And they would get visual feedback. And I think AI has a lot of promise for that. I'm curious on that
2: last point, you know, when you start talking about dark sounds and th- th- these sounds like distinctly human domains, right? That, you know, the AI doesn't have a personality. It doesn't have preferences, at least in the way I think we think of them as humans. Um, is, is Well, one, is that a correct assumption? And, and two, if you just gave an AI an opportunity, can, can it just create on its own or is it always kind of influenced by the by the artist who kind of trains it at the, at the beginning of this
0: process. Yeah, just like humans, in, the, the computer is influenced by what we feed it. So, of course, I've been fed music my whole life, like most people who are alive today, and I have developed a certain set of individual preferences and tastes. I don't think computers, um, from what I've done, can develop that level of preference and taste, that kind of novel individualness. Um, but what we can do is we can select what material the computer is going to choose from. So if we say, I want something that's in a Bachian style, we can select a lot of Bach pieces. Or if I want to generate something that's completely new, I might compose something by hand, and then generate variations upon it, and then feed that into the system and see what comes out. And so, as
2: my daughter always says, you know, if she wants to create a, you know, in the genre that I like, like dad sad country music. Exactly. You know, we can we can train it to do that.
1: Totally train it to do that.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> well, let's 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 say we can train it to learn three chords and the truth. And <laughs> I love it. Um,
1: well, this this kind of reminds me of uh, bringing bringing it a little bit to the business world uh, in some way. This reminds Reminds me of the notion, I think I read that um, in movies and cinemas and, um, you know, TV shows, I mean, the entertainment industry is booming. And I think even you and I, Aaron, talked about this a little bit, that, um, like, you can teach a machine a little bit about soundtracks. So, like, I can feed in a bunch of romantic-sounding musics or, you know, the, the thrillers, you, you know, that music that something's about to happen. We all know it. How do we know it? We feel it because we've seen all these movies and we've heard the music that kind of precedes something dramatic happening. We can train machines. To help us do that kind of work, um, is that a field that is uh, growing fast? Like, what do you think that that's where it's going to um, infuse? I can see a lot of cost savings there. Uh, specifically, yes, no,
0: you're right that it would be incredibly cost saving for studio production studios to do that. Um, I think there's there's kind of two elements that go into it, and one is the psychological element of a computer made that not a human. And there's always, especially even with my music, there's that reaction where some people are like but you didn't do it. And, and I think that there's a certain point where that cachet of a human doing something will always have some sort of financial value, especially for prestige institutions. But I think at the same level, you, you all have talked a lot about training data and understanding that when we talk about how we put music together we would say what are the elements of the music uh, from a very theoretical standpoint is in like first year theory and we would say what are the notes that are being played how are they combined what instruments are being played what are the rhythms and we would break it down to that element and so yeah we could generate especially as systems get more sophisticated and faster um, we could generate really interesting soundtracks and we could have a computer play them because there are these phenomenal sample libraries. And I think that it's, uh, it's an interesting disruption in the sense that we all felt like our creative selves as humans are significant and important, and yet this computer might be able to do it too.
1: Faster and cheaper, uh, that's for yes. sure.
2: Yes. <laughs> I mean, and I would think the substitution effect comes to mind here that even if you need some creative people, you're going to need less of them in a world where you're enabled by AI and technology here. Is is—is that true? And, and if so, is there angst in the, you know, the composing industry or the musician industry about uh, what AI is able to do?
0: Um, I think there's a very human hope in music is that people will always want to go to concerts and see people play. I think because it is very satisfying. I think at the same time, um, as all industries have the opportunity to say, let's let's find faster cheaper ways of producing more and more art we can expect to see that more and i don't think there's a lot of angst in the industry because i don't think a computer could ever quite accumulate my life skills
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> well i just uh, I think, yeah go ahead yeah, go ahead I was just, I just—I was reflecting on everything that you just said, Aaron, and I just came back, you know, three nights ago, I saw Tears for Fears live in concert, and I've been waiting, you know, arguably my whole life to watch them live, and I don't think I would ever go if that was a computer generating those sounds, so.
0: Yes, but of course, ABBA now has holograms playing in London, <laughs> Yes, so. they do,
1: they do. <laughs> but I, I'm tempted to go and see ABBA in London, actually. <laughs>
0: actually, that, you
2: know, and that has always been fascinating to me, um, about well, again thinking you know, as a business person but like copyright and ownership and that yeah. if you can bring uh, I mean they're still alive but you can imagine uh, Tupac was the one that they did an original hologram and you can start to create music and sample over previous okay. artists you know what does this say about intellectual property who owns it who controls it uh, you know do, does Elvis get revived here and starts putting out new music because an AI does it
1: I mean do we want more new Beatles stuff coming out I think we all kind of want to but uh, you know why I think he... there'd be a market for I it I know there would be a market for it for sure Um, Aaron, I wanted to kind of segue a little bit and ask you a little bit about um, your current position. I think you are doing some exciting things at uh, Movic Labs. Can you tell us a little bit about that um, for context? A very different domain, a very different use case for music, uh, but one that is in desperate need today. So tell us a little bit about this.
0: Yeah, so I I work with a company called Movic Labs, and we create interventions uh, essentially for Um, our clients, which we're getting ready to launch. Anybody can be a client. And they are basically videos. And we use um, research and psychology to create videos that interact, that you breathe with, um, and therefore anxiety treatments. Um, Ours is special because we focus on music primarily, um, which is why I'm at the company, because I I am literally an expert in what they need.
1: (laughs) That is fascinating. So, how does the AI and the technology interact here with the music, and then with the kind of assistance that it provides people under, um, you know, anxious or anxiety situations?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in general, in the field of healthcare, this is becoming a thing, and uh, the idea of generating content, you know, is because people are going to watch these videos and maybe they feel really good after one, they want to watch another one. And we need to be able to generate a lot of content. And so the idea of generative art or a generative practice to where we are creating a phenomenal amount of content over time um, is really important. And different industries and different companies inside of this have different ways of dealing with it. And um, I think that there are a lot of approaches. Some people are generating everything. Some people are simply pairing up AI with existing music and saying, this is your mood. This is what you like. We're going to link it up. And other people are writing algorithms that generate content. So it's a really interesting field. Um, it's kind of an exciting time to be in it because it's emerging, but at the same time, there's a dramatic need, not only with the pandemic, but our company works directly with refugees in the Middle East. And um, it's, it's, it's a profound tool for them to um, have a small, very you know, easy intervention for them to breathe along with these videos that is very low cost.
1: It's incredible. I mean, given the shortage uh, in everything that we know around us in terms of support for mental health issues and uh, people under extreme stressful situations and the fact that, you know, technology and everybody has a phone and technology is changing, uh, it, it seems like there's a lot of promise there to help people in need.
2: You know, I, I, I hadn't thought about this, but are we going to be in the near future here when I listen to Spotify, which right now uses AI and predictive algorithms to choose songs for me, that it will just move to making songs for me? And it will be truly a individualized, cultivated
0: music experience. Yeah. Well, interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. I think the idea of generating a pop song um what AI mostly does now is pitch and rhythm and it does that well. The idea of all the Additional elements that go into the pop track record the production techniques and and all of that we don't quite have that sorted out yet we're, we're very beginning if you watch the Beatles get back documentary they were able to start piecing things apart using machine learning and take some of these sessions that nobody had done anything but record and and very complicated and get and get good you know scores out of them basically and it's a very interesting technique They can select different sounds and parts um, but we're, we're a ways from being able to say generate random person random style um, and it not be performed by a dinky little computer voice going bleep, 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 which is like <laughs> ca- canonical computer music 101 which we have fortunately migrated from as technology has grown I am surprised you said this about pop music I just
2: figured pop would be the easiest <laughs> to just like you know put an algorithm and it would, it would just replicate it because so much of it seems well, like it's it's replicated
0: but, yeah I think it depends on how you're listening if you are in psychologically we listen to way in psychoacoustics we talk about pitches first and then other elements start to come a lot of the elements that make pop albums sound so present and so forward is the fact that there's a lot of other stuff going on than just the people singing unless going back to the country music you're listening to the rick rubin johnny cash albums in which case it's just him as loud as possible which i love
1: (laughs) (laughs) wonderful um yeah go ahead mike
2: well I, i just was you know wanted to turn our attention to kind of one of the questions Aaron, that we ask on this podcast is Good disruption, bad disruption, no disruption. And and we started to touch upon some of the good aspects of, of this technology. Uh, do you see any bad aspects of this technology, things we should be wary of or concerned about as creative AI continues to develop?
0: Uh, yeah, I think ownership is a big thing. And ownership is a problem now in the industry and has been for a long time. We live in a litigious society, which is part of it. But also, there's this, this, this notion that somehow... Um, There are boundaries or rules on who is making what and how those notes are configured and that those notes can only be configured by some person in some way. And I think that it it could be a potentially dangerous tool to start saying, well, we generated this piece based on all of these other pieces. And it sounds new, but it's all of those elements being reconstituted. And I think that there, there could be legal issues there. And I think there could be a certain amount of feeling of theft as an artist. Mm-hmm. And a feeling as though, um, you know, did they pay for the royalties of that or did they just, you know, download a bunch of albums and then generate new music based on it? And, and who owns that and who's doing that? I think that's very disruptive and we have a very complicated legal system um, when it comes to music. Uh, a lot of people aren't experts in music and so they make decisions as not experts and it, it's complicated. Um, at the same time, the disruption of force of Jobs is, is interesting to me. I don't know, it is something that has been hurting in the music world because, you know, 50 years ago, if you went to a restaurant and they had music, there was a person playing. Right. And 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 now somebody's just got a record, you know, or a, or a Spotify. radio, they on they and, have Spotify, yeah, or Spotify on, yes, they're just yeah. playing Spotify. Right. And so, you know, it's a different world for people who want to make their living playing their instrument for people. Um, and it's, it's, it's very easy to get music for free in our society. And I wonder how much AI will influence how people conceive and of the creative process, when a computer can do it, why should I pay for a human to do it?
1: And there's some other risks and dangers there in the sense of, for instance, going back to the images that we were talking about earlier, some of those technologies, the imagined by uh, Google and the Dolly 2 by OpenAI, some of them are holding back on releasing some of the code and really opening this technology to everybody from this fear of deep fake, this idea that some people mm -hmm. would be harmed, you can create images that nobody wants to see or that you're really going to put somebody in a weaker position. Uh, fake news is already a problem. There's lack of trust when it comes to you know the news outlets and everything that you find out there. Uh, there is a danger where this just creates even more of that, and you just don't know what you can trust and what you cannot.
2: Well, that's got me scared now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to, Aaron, go back to the, um, uh, well, I'll call it the copyright or intellectual property question. Uh, it strikes me like that's been an issue in music for a long time. I, I, I'm old enough to remember the old like vanilla ice sampling, obviously, in my opinion, sampling a Queen, <laughs> but trying to argue that he was not sampling Queen. Uh, is, it, is it just a continuation of this, this long standing argument about sampling, or is it again kind of fundamentally different here in an AI world?
0: I think it's fundamentally different because we can produce content that may sound different but is generated upon somebody's work of art. And so where does the ownership of that art begin and end? And I think, it's not something that in my world is like, nobody really worries about, nobody steals my art. Nobody's like out to get me. I publish my own music, I do it all myself. And, um, but at the same time, there's, there's a lot of people who want to make a lot of money making music. And those people usually are not necessarily the performers but they're the people who own the rights to the music. And so they wanna pursue avenues to protect the rights that they own of other people's work. So artists' rights are really important in this.
1: Yeah, I mean, the hope and maybe to flip it and just to be optimistic a little bit and to bring out the good side in things just to balance it out. this idea going back to the hope and the promise that we can see new patterns and identify new ways to teach people, maybe people like me who's self-identified as non-artistic, maybe somebody can teach me how to become more artistic or to possess more creative or to learn a little bit more about the fundamentals in a way that I acquire something that I maybe wasn't born with or I didn't think that I had in me. And now I learn and get trained to do it. So there is some excitement in me about that. Um,
2: Yeah, Yeah. I think coming into this, I I might have been falling more on the bad disruption Mm -hmm. side. Uh, There's just something innate about human creativity that I feel if it was lost, that we've lost something as a society. But I think you've made some excellent observations about how this is one, one, you know, technology has always been in the, in the music and other fields here. And so this is a continuation. Uh, and it can be enhancing to the human creative process, uh, that it needn't be just purely a substitute for it. Um, and, and that's true, I think, of a lot of technologies. We might, we might fear autonomy or other forms of giving control to machines. Uh, but done right, it can, it can actually be a, a blessing and an enhancement. Yeah, Where where do you stand?
1: Yeah. So, like, listening to this conversation and thinking about it for a few days now, um, and in general, my sense is that, um, as unbelievably breathtaking and exciting as it is, I actually don't see it as a disruption so much. Like, mm. I would come down. You're and going think on our, no disruption. A no disruption. Ooh, our third it's good category. When we get one of those. Yes. <laughs> a controversial one, and not one we use often, um, because I think that these the the technology, the existence of the technology, will continue to thrive. With the artists and the humans there side by side, so it's like an enhancer, like the you know the synthesizer of the '80s, right? That um, now you're dating yourself. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Yes, I said tears for fears. I've already dated oh, yeah, that's myself. Oh, right? It's already out of the. It's uh, already out of the open now. That, that is out. <laughs> Um, but think about the studio that we're in and, and our amazing producers and what they're using upstairs to kind of make sure that we sound great and, um, you know, the, the, the ways in which AI is, is evolving. It's almost like giving opportunity to new creative initiatives. Um, I think... While I'm not an artist myself, I love TV and media and movies and what's going on in the, you know, on Netflix and on the streaming channels and all the creativity there with everything, with all the new movies and new ideas. It just feels like it's just inspiring others to do even more. So I don't see it as much as a disruption, but an enabler that will allow the field to continue uh,
2: but, uh, for years to uh, come. But a good come. no disruption is what. But I'm, a good I mean. no disruption. Yes, I a agree. natural
1: a natural way in which, uh, as you guys pointed out. a a natural way in which these kind of creative fields evolve.
2: Well, this has really been a fascinating discussion. Uh, Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today. A a huge help to us because this is not our uh, area of expertise by any means. Uh, Fascinating work you're doing uh, uh, in many different dimensions there. As always, let me uh, thank our producer, Gary, uh, our researcher, Becky. Oh, yes. uh, And again, uh, of course, as always, I'd like to end by thanking Mark Wahlberg. Uh, We're still (laughs) waiting on his version of Good Disruption. Uh, oh, now
1: maybe we can actually create it ourselves. Uh, brilliant.
2: All right, Aaron, we're going to reach out to you about sampling from Mark Wahlberg to create a version of his Good Vibration exactly, song. Exactly. For
1: this show. For
2: this podcast. A, yeah. Is repeat with Good Disruption instead. Yeah. So if you can work on that for us, we will happily share that with our, uh, with our guests. All right. Thank you, everyone. And we look forward to joining us on our next podcast.
1: Good Disruption is a podcast from the University of Virginia Darden School of Business.